0: Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Hokies Press Pass podcast alongside Andy Bitter, the Virginia Tech football beat writer for the Roanoke Times. I'm Aaron McFarling, sports columnist for the Roanoke Times. We're back from Orlando. We have a bowl destination set. We're going to look back at the ACC title game just a bit and then we'll get into the matchup with Arkansas and some of the peripheral things with that. And also, Andy suggests we go through the ACC bowls real quick and just uh, give a thumbs-up or thumbs-down whether they intrigue us. I like that idea, so we'll, we'll do that later in the, in the podcast. Andy, um, nice weather in Orlando. We had a good time, I think, uh, enjoying some some sun and a little bit of pool, but uh, the, the game itself was also entertaining, 42-32, Clemson – 42 excuse me.
1: Clemson gets the win. Uh, your thoughts on the game? I thought it was a pretty entertaining game. Like you said, I, I said this in the podcast before, it was one of those games where it would have been more entertaining as a writer to watch it if it was a 12 p.m. start instead yeah. of an 8 p.m. start where you're right up against deadline. But, uh, you know, I, I thought the Hokies gave Clemson everything they could handle uh, right down to the end. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> driving to, you know, what we thought would tie the game, actually, you know, potentially win the game, because Justin Fuente said he would have gone for two at the very end, uh, which would have been a really dramatic way to finish that. Uh, You know, I I just thought that Virginia Tech kept coming back and kept coming back from those deficits before, and, uh, you know, maybe that's sort of uh, emblematic of how the program was this year, where they had some deficits they came back from, and, you know, things weren't perfect, and they bounced back from a couple of those games to win a couple uh, I thought it was a good showing for the program in a game that, you know, not a lot of people gave them a the whole, uh, whole lot of chance in that. If, if Tech had scored
0: a touchdown, and, and let's say they get the two-point conversion and they win the game. Would you have to have to tear up your entire story, or was it pretty evergreen, a lot of play-by-play? You could have gotten away with just slapping a new lead on top of that. Uh,
1: there's a lot of play-by-play, and that's just what you're going to get in that sort of game. I would have had to uh, flip all the, you know, obviously I had the record set in there, and I'm like, this is Clemson's uh, first time back-to-back ACC title since the mid-'80s. It's like, well, that would have been scrapped. And, but, you know, I know the Virginia Tech stuff off the top of my head pretty well. Uh, not as extensive of a history in the ACC for the Hokies. and uh, something obviously it's sort of in the forefront of all of our minds as writers. We've seen them over the years here. So uh, it, it wouldn't have been that tough to flip it. I think writing a quickie lead sort of if something happened right there at the end is a little bit easier when it's, it's you know, condensed down to one play. Uh, that's actually kind of one of the easiest things to write is when it comes down to like the very uh, definitive thing like that. So, uh, it would have been a pain to to flip it around, but uh, I think the story would have been better because it would have had that dramatic moment right at the top, whereas uh, as it was, it was just kind of like, well, Clemson fended them off yeah. most of the night and, and stayed ahead at the end. Well, well, you did a really
0: nice job with your prediction on the
1: podcast. Uh, finally, for yeah. once this year, well, I did.
0: finally got a game close to right. You had the shootout tenor right. Uh, you had the fact that Tech would cover but not win the game correct. And, I, you know, it's funny because I, I, you, you don't – you don't root in this business. There's just no. There's, you don't get anything out of rooting for one thing or the other. But I gotta say, I, I sort of went all in with the fact that tech would be competitive in this game. So I was happy to see that they actually were competitive um, when it was 14 nothing and they hadn't done anything yet. Uh, when it was a 21 point game with four minutes left in the
1: wrong court. again,
0: McFarley. I, I mean, I just thought, wow, you know, I I got this completely wrong, and and that's not. A, Foreign concept to me to get something wrong, but I just felt so confident that they would be in this game and that they would surprise some people with their level of competitiveness that uh, I was happy to see that sort of that vindication that I that I was kind of right about that. Now you know they did they were down three touchdowns at one point and they did have a poor start, but uh, let's, let's briefly. What do you think the talent gap is between Virginia Tech and Clemson, and, and is there any way for for the Hokies to Bridge that gap.
1: Yeah, I think there is. I mean, you look at you know Dabo is here. He's been there since 2007. I think is when he took over the interim coach. So I mean, it's nine or ten years now. And when you're at a place that long, you really can recruit to that system and just have a lot of forward forward momentum with that program. It takes a while to get a program to that point. You know, if you're not you know Alabama or Florida State or those places that recruit in the top five all the time nationally. Uh, it's tough to get that kind of talent there consistently, and they've done that, and they're, they've gotten the program turned in that direction. So I think the fact that Fuente is in his first year here, and really this is his first recruiting class because he just kind of took what, what was there last year and maybe added a little bit to it, obviously, bringing Gerard Evans in was a pretty big deal. But uh, I think over time you can see them recruit a better depth of talent and maybe get some of those higher-ranked guys I don't think you're ever going to see Virginia Tech just pluck all this top talent. They've never been uh, a team that really gets all the headline guys. And you know, people say, oh, the right coach that could come and do that. I think these programs sort of have a, a C-level that they achieve, uh, that, that things kind of balance out to, a mean that they revert to that, you know, over the long haul, yeah, maybe you could have some classes that are better or worse, but this is about a team that recruits to about the 20th class in the country. Yeah. 20, 25, somewhere there. I mean, I just don't think you're ever going to see a coach come in here and just recruit top five classes all the time. Just, Legally, it's, at least. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, if they're doing that, that might raise some eyes. You might look at that like, ah, see he doing what Hugh Freeze is doing down at in, in, uh, Ole Miss? Uh, yeah, I, I just don't think you're going to see that, but I think you can get a better depth of talent. And I think that's where you saw the really big difference between those two teams is, you know, Isaiah Ford, I think is, is really good. I think he's you know, maybe not quite the pro prospect that Mike Williams is, but production wise, he's right there with them. But Clemson has like seven guys offensively. I mean, who's that run, Hunter Renfro guy that comes out of yeah. nowhere and makes that catch at the end. And you go, man, he's like their eighth receiver on this list. Uh, I know the receiver is maybe a bad example because Virginia Tech actually does have three big guys there. But uh, across the board, I think Clemson just had a better depth of talent. And over time, you'll see Virginia Tech catch up to that, that uh, maybe that second team isn't quite as drastic of a drop-off. Well, the offense is drastically better now than it was.
0: But I think one thing you didn't see this year, and you haven't seen to this point really, is is the ability to when You really need to just line up and run up the middle. You know, you you can't do it. Um, They couldn't do it against Clemson. Now, Clemson's defensive front is is outstanding. Their linebackers are outstanding. Um, So maybe that's not such a big surprise. But I think there's been some games where they should have been able to run the ball a little better than they have. Maybe Duke, you know, I'm trying to think of the
1: the specific instances where they... North Carolina, they should have probably. Well, yeah, yeah, and in the weather there... Georgia Tech was not a good rushing defense. Syracuse was not a good rushing defense. Georgia Tech's one I'm thinking
0: of. Yeah, I mean... I think maybe is that is that where they need to start? I mean, in terms of uh, upgrading their interior line, recruiting
1: and possible, you know, uh,
0: the coaching of that uh, interior line yeah. to get
1: better. Yeah, yeah, I I think that's still a problem point on this offense. I think it's better than it has been in the past. Certainly, their rushing average this year. They never had any games where they had like twenty yards rushing, and that's happened in the past where they yeah. just couldn't do anything. They had a hundred two. On Saturday, that was actually their season low. Yeah. So uh, that's an improvement from the past, but I think that's still a spot where they need to recruit better talent up front. You know, Wyatt Teller's a guy that's really a masher. And you put him in on any offensive line, and you go, that guy will fit. Yeah. I don't know how many of those other guys up there, uh, maybe Nijman with time. I, I just feel like that's still some uh, an area of the game where they're maybe not as strong as they could be. And, that shows up in games like that, because when you have a really strong defensive front like Clemson does, that can overwhelm that, and that takes everything else out of the operation. I will say, I think
0: the I think the O-line <laughs> got a little better as the game went on. I think schematically they did some things to sort of mask the inefficiencies they had uh, trying to win those trench battles. So credit to, to all involved for making some adjustments. I mean, uh, Gerard Evans had a little more time as the game went on than he did early. I mean, early on he looked... As I wrote in my column, I mean, he looked, you know, he got in that standing beetle position several times when he knew he was just going to get rocked. And uh, that's something you really hadn't seen from him. He's been a guy all year long that's been uh, standing tall in the pocket, pretty fearless back
1: there. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, that's bound to happen. I mean, it's human nature not to want to get hit. (laughs) So you do it a couple times. And, you know, that was why Kenny Canem said his whole goal was to, you know, hit Deshaun Watson early. And they hit him, they they didn't sack him that. Necessarily, but they got back there and put a lot of pressure on him. And you know, all credit to Deshaun Watson for standing in there and, and throwing a lot of accurate passes all night because he took a beating for for a lot of that. No
0: question, no question. Okay, so Hokies come home. We came home and we watched uh, intently what what their bowl destination would be, and it's the Belk Bowl, um,
1: which I think was pretty low on your yours and my list. Like a pair of khakis. <laughs> I think that kind of fits the bowl game well, certainly compared to some of the other bowl games they could have been in. Yeah. Uh, first of all, how did they get
0: in the bowl, in the Belk Bowl, and why are they not in a different bowl? I think some people are wondering that.
1: Well, yeah, I think the the general feeling here is that you know Virginia Tech won the division. When you win the division, you go play some some place warm at the end of the year and go to a bowl game against a pretty highly ranked opponent well that didn't happen this year for one thing it's because you know there's still some imbalance in the two divisions in the acc and the top teams are all in the atlantic so that's a little bit misleading but the other thing was this whole you know switching the acc championship game to charlotte or from charlotte to orlando right i think that sort of threw everything off in that because all of a sudden you get virginia tech fans that go down to orlando for one trip well if you're a bowl game in Orlando, are you going to expect fans to travel back there three weeks later? I mean, that's not an easy trip to make. you got to fly, uh, unless you're insane <laughs> and, 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 like, driving very long distances. So that's going to make it tough. Uh, so if I, just financially, it's tough, A, to get there, just getting the time to do that and take a flight. And then, B, it's tough financially because that's a long trip to go, and Orlando's not necessarily a cheap place to go visit. So uh, if you're a bowl game— and you know, Florida State gets taken as the replacement in the Orange. I think Louisville was pretty obvious pick in the Citrus because they've got probably the Heisman Trophy winner there, and you, know, you want to get sell tickets to this kind of thing. So I think those are pretty obvious picks. The Russell Athletic Bowl, which is also in Orlando, is next. And basically it comes down to them. Do they want a Virginia Tech team that's just been there? Or do they want Miami that, you know, half game worse in the standings? I mean, Miami wasn't terrible this year is in Florida. They, it's an easier trip for fans to go up there if they want to, and it's a, a pretty you know recognizable program there. So, I mean, to get Miami in that game to play West Virginia, that was the other factor is that uh, West Virginia was going to be the opponent and Virginia Tech opens up against them next year. So I, I think they wanted to avoid that repeat matchup, the two schools there. So uh, not getting Russell Athletic Bowl, that drops them down to the Tier 1. And really the most likely bowls in the Tier 1 was the Tax Slayer in Jacksonville, uh, which somebody wrote to me that said it sounds like it's a heavy metal band made up of accountants, <laughs> which I thought was pretty good. Uh, or the Belt Bowl, which is, is in Charlotte and just geographically makes a lot of sense. And, uh, well, I think a lot of people were hoping for a warmer destination than Charlotte. Uh, the fact that Charlotte had never hosted Virginia Tech, those two schools, the school and the bowl kind of danced around here the last couple years. Uh, seems like every year you see a projection for the Belt Bowl. And they never ended up going there. Uh, I think all the stars sort of aligned this year that they ended up going there, and it it just kind of made sense.
0: The Belk Bowl's Twitter account is very coquettish and and, and flirtatious. Uh, I know one time Nathan Waters had some tweet that said, "Uh, it looks like Tech will be in the Belk Bowl, and the Belk Bowl replied, we'd like that, or something (laughs) like that, You know, a little winky,
1: smiley thing. It is an entertaining Twitter account, as far as as bowl Twitter accounts go. it's probably one of the better ones. But,
0: out there. But it was just a big tease all these years, and then finally they decided they were going to they were going to hook up with Tech.
1: Well, so. I mean, you remember last year, everybody expected them to go to the Belk Bowl. Uh, in hindsight, it's probably better that they didn't because they would have played Mississippi State, led by Dak Prescott, who probably would have led Virginia Tech up. Uh, but it turned out that you know, none of the Tier One bowls wanted to take Pitt, and because of the you know, Virginia Tech was six and six and. Uh, there's another team out there. NC State was eight and four, I think it was. NC State ended up going to that game. I think, I think it was NC State uh, instead because they were a local team. And then Pitt got down to the Military Bowl, Tech to the to Shreveport for that. So uh, yeah, there've been some weird circumstances the last couple years where they ended up not going to Belk. That I think when the opportunity came up, uh, it just kind of made sense for them to go there this year instead of someplace like you know Jacksonville would have been a warmer place. Uh, not necessarily a better matchup this year. Kentucky ended up going to uh, the Tax Slayer Bowl this year. Uh, I think Charlotte. It, it seemed like Virginia Tech was destined for a trip to Charlotte and Orlando this year, and it just so happened that they got them flipped the order from what they originally thought it was going to be. Yeah.
0: Well, they're playing Arkansas. Arkansas seven and five. Um, what three and five in the SEC this Correct. year? Uh, I'm wondering where the juice is. I mean, I think there's. There's three SEC teams, and I don't mean any disrespect to Arkansas, but it's going to come out sounding sounding like this. But when you hear that they're going to play an SEC foe, you think, "Wow, that's great." Uh, the SEC, and then if there's one team that you hear, and it's either you know Vandy or I think Kentucky or or Arkansas, probably the three that just don't
1: give you the same. South Carolina, Missouri, I think probably fit in there too. Yeah, I mean South Carolina more so now that Spurrier's not there. Yeah, but I mean, I have a South Carolina
0: fans travel pretty well. And I think that's, uh, I'm not saying Arkansas won't, they they might, uh, but, uh, you know, I think that would have been a sort of uh, a meeting place, you know, right in Charlotte. I mean, kind of one of those uh, Bristol type scenarios that you had with Tennessee. I mean, where you're meeting halfway to battle it out. So maybe that would have been cool too. But all right. So what do you think of Arkansas? Uh, Just, I mean, I I know you'll do a lot of research here between now and then, but what what do you know just going into
1: this? Well, first, it's I think it's kind of a weird matchup this year. Because normally you get an SEC team there, and uh, you know I mentioned Mississippi State last year is pretty good with Prescott. You know Georgia was in it two years ago. This is just a weird year for the SEC because it's it's really Alabama at the top, and beyond that it's like who else? I mean they picked Auburn for the Sugar Bowl. Uh, honestly, I think Auburn's going to get run by Oklahoma in that game. I don't think Auburn is that good. I mean LSU is up there, but they're Really not that good. Texas A&M kind of floundered down the stretch. The East is a disaster. I mean, Florida won the East sort of by default. Tennessee's there. It just I think normally you would get an SEC team in this game, and it would you know like you said have a lot more juice. But this year, you know, once you get past Alabama, the SEC is kind of just a crapshoot. I mean, it's it's a lot of blah teams and uh, just not a lot of headliners in that group. But Arkansas, you know, I don't know a whole lot about Arkansas. It's sort of a I don't want to say nondescript, maybe I just haven't paid too much attention to it, but it's not like they have real star power down there. Yeah. Uh, you know, It's a team that's had some weird wins and then really bad losses this year. They beat Ole Miss when Ole Miss was pretty good earlier in the season and ranked. They beat Florida pretty handily, uh, when it's just, I think in November at this point. Uh, just kind of hammered them at home. Uh, they also lost to Auburn. Uh, what was the score on that one? Let me check. 56-3. to three. They mm. gave up 540 rushing yards and seven touchdowns uh, in that game. This weren't even competitive. Uh, weren't really competitive against LSU. They lost the last game of the season against Missouri. Missouri's stunk all year. I mean, it's been a bad team. So, uh, you know, It's just a very strange Arkansas team. I, this is this one team we get them in the pick-em all the time, and I never know which direction to go. I think I actually picked them to win that Auburn game. And they go out and lose 56-3. That tells you tells you that I really have no clue uh, what to expect from this team on a regular basis. Uh, you know, In the past, they've been a team under Brett Bielema, who used to coach at Wisconsin. has been there four years now, some 25 and 25 uh, with the Razorbacks. I mean, they used to be just like this power rushing team. And you go, oh, they're built in the mold of Wisconsin. But they've actually thrown the ball pretty well this year. Uh, the quarterback, Austin Allen, I think has 23 touchdowns. Uh, 3,400, 3,600 yards, something like that. So he's way up there in the SEC in passing. There just aren't a lot of SEC passers there that great. So uh, leading rusher in the SEC, Raleigh Williams. He had 1,300 yards, I think. Uh, Defense has been pretty suspect this year, worse than last year, which I think was kind of surprised with some of the guys they had coming back. Uh, But like you said, it's just a team that I don't really have a great beat on. So it'll be interesting to see it over the next couple weeks to – pick up on Arkansas and how they do. Because, you know, right now I'm just sort of looking at them and, and kind of getting an idea of what they're like for the first time. I mean, it kind
0: of sounds like they're sort of the NC State of the SEC in the in the stronger half of the, or the team than the half of the conference with the power, right? Uh, have some, like, you know, NC State goes and beats North Carolina in that game. Uh, but they also have some sort of puzzling uh, failures as, along the way as well. Sort of a, just a mediocre
1: kind of there. Right, yeah, I I could see that for right now. I think program wise, I think historically they've had a lot more success there. I mean, they've gone to the SEC championship game a couple times. They've won four West Division championships. I don't think they went every one of those years. It might have been a, a share type situation. But I mean, when Bobby Petrino was there, and that's when I was down there in the SEC covering Auburn. I mean, that team was great. I mean, that was a top ten team. They, you think they have Ryan Mallett just uh, one of the better quarterbacks they had in the country at that point. Uh, before that, they had Felix Jones and Darren McFadden. I mean, those teams uh, were pretty good in terms of star power, and, right. and, and Petrino really took them to a next level. And then they have the whole motorcycle miss, mistress mishap, uh, and that just completely flattened the program. They had one-year John L. Smith, which was a disaster. He went 4-8. and Bielema comes in uh, from Wisconsin, where he won you know 75% of his games over seven years went to three Rose Bowls, uh, and he loses the first 13 SEC games that he coached down there. <laughs> it's just sort of a reality check of how tough the SEC was at that point. I think they've pulled that program back up to relative competitiveness. But when you're in the SEC West, there's always uh, maybe sort of a ceiling that you have that, uh, yeah, you can be pretty good, but you know Alabama's the king in that, that division and certainly that conference. LSU and Auburn are always kind of up there. Texas A&M seems to be up there, and then flounders later in the year. I mean, I've just named four teams, and you're already down to Arkansas, Mississippi State, and Ole Miss, and those are pretty good teams from time to time too. I mean, shoot, Mississippi State not too long ago had the number one team in the country when those college football rankings came out for the first time. So uh, it's a really tough division and a tough conference, and that's why I think it's kind of hard to get a read on this team. But uh, I think Arkansas, have, it, NC State, I think they're a better program than NC State. Well, you've covered some road games when you were covering Auburn, right? You, had you, did you go to Arkansas? I went there twice. I actually initially listed the name of the stadium wrong in my post yesterday. I apologize for that. But uh, it's an interesting place. I actually, you know, uh, Arkansas was home to Gus Melzahn. He was a high school coach there. Actually, he was an offensive coordinator for Houston Nutt for one year when they had a bunch of really good high school players from there, and people thought it was sort of a package deal to get him there, and then they never ran his offense. So he left kind of bitter about that whole thing. But... Whenever he'd return there, it was a huge deal, because he was a local boy coming back. And I don't think Auburn won either of the games that I covered when they were there. So that tells you uh, how kind of you know, Arkansas got up for those kind of games. But it's an interesting place. I mean, it, you know, it's certainly SEC flavor all over the place. They have the, their their live mascot is a Russian boar.
0: The pig suey thing really annoying when you go.
1: No, it's not. Okay. It's not like they do it the whole game or anything
0: like that. What's it's, the most annoying place than you
1: in the SEC? There's it's probably cowbell
0: place. Like Mississippi.
1: It's probably State, Mississippi right? State with the cowbells. That part gets really annoying after a while. Uh, I think Tennessee plays Rocky Top quite a oh, yeah. bit. Yeah, we got that. This year. Uh, that'll get to you. Uh, in terms of annoying venues, I thought South Carolina was kind of annoying because the area around the stadium is not really built up. So it's like this odd industrial area that you're, like, parking in. And you're like, we like, tailgating next to these, like, machinery things. They have this this stationary train called the Cockaboose.
0: that okay. just,
1: like, blocks all foot traffic possible near to the stadium. So from, from that, from, like, a logistical standpoint, that's kind of annoying. But... Uh, no, I, I enjoy the trips to Arkansas. If I remember right, the weather was kind of lousy the both times we went there. So I don't know if I got a full picture of what a, a bright, sunny game day is like there. But, you know, it's it's a really nice stadium. They put a lot of money into that. And, uh, not the easiest place to get to. Did you fly there? Yeah, yeah. in northwest Arkansas, not the easiest place to get to. But uh, uh, it, it was a fun trip when we went there. Yeah,
0: well, we'll obviously be talking a lot more about Arkansas as we go forward. uh and get to know them a little bit better, but um, you know, from Tech's perspective, what's at stake here? I mean, what are they playing for in the belt bowl?
1: All the khakis. now <laughs> they're going for ten wins. I mean, a ten-win season. You know, they've got signs posted up around the the, the locker room or the weight room, apparently, and it says nine and five or ten and four. And you look at those two numbers. There's something. Psychologically satisfying about getting to 10 wins, I think, and for the longest time, that was the standard of the program was to get to 10 wins, and you know that was what Frank always leaned on was eight straight 10-win seasons. There was this mark of consistency that that's tough to get to. I know there are more games now, and if you play 14 games in a season, you can lose four times and still get to 10 wins. Maybe cheapens that a little bit, but to get back to that level, that get back to what the program kind of hung its hat on for a while. Uh, they already got to the ACC title game. That's one part of it. Getting back to 10 wins, I think, would be another part of it. And to do that in the first year, I think, would kind of show that Fuente's ahead of schedule with with rebuilding this whole thing getting it back to what Virginia Tech fans are used to.
0: Yeah, I mean, there was definitely a time when 10 wins was met with uh, grumbling from fans. Ah, another 10-win season. Right? That's all he ever does, win 10 <laughs> games, and it's like... Well, try
1: winning six a couple years yeah
0: change your tune about that exactly now 10 wins is, is once again the gold standard and i'm not saying everybody thought 10 wins was was nothing but there was a, a pretty vocal contingent in that in that uh tech fan base that thought the 10 wins wasn't really that good and it was sort of masked by you know winning games against the liberties of the world and and fattening up on those kinds of things but I think 10 wins is an accomplishment, and uh, certainly we need to write about something. So uh, that'll be one thing, I guess. Well,
1: my, my thing is, if 10 wins is so easy, why isn't everybody in the country doing it? Yeah, good like, point. I mean, there's a very small handful of teams that could do that on a consistent basis. And I know people are always going to be like, oh, Alabama wins 14 every year. It's like, stop comparing yourself to Alabama, okay? Yeah. just stop. Every team in the country should stop comparing themselves to Alabama because they're on just a different plane right now. They're way up there. Quit thinking that you're going to be Alabama out there and, and judges sort of to a historical perspective of, you know, ten, a lot of schools would kill for a 10-win season. Yeah. So they get back to that and to have the chance to do that, I think there's quite a bit they're playing for in this game.
0: Interesting, and it's not tech-related necessarily, but although there are <laughs> some connections, I mean, Blacksburg High School, is uh, they finished the regular season 5-5, five and five, and they will be going for win number 10 uh, on Saturday in Williamsburg. They're playing for a state title, and they've got with Babcock's son on the team, and they've got uh, uh, who am I forgetting? Goforth's son, uh, Mike Goforth's son, is on the team as the trainer, and uh, also they've got uh, uh, Drew Weaver, who is uh, Jim Weaver's, uh, the late Jim Weaver's son. So a lot of tech flavor on that Blacksburg team, which I I covered two of their playoff
1: games. Are you covering the championship? For
0: them? Uh, I think I'm going to the Salem game, which is at four okay. o'clock, and then they I think they play at noon. So I don't think I'm going to actually get to see them. Uh, maybe I'll catch the end of the game, but uh, they, they can win. I mean, I covered them against Baratat, uh, their first playoff game, and the Baratat coach was like, that's a team that can win, win the state
1: title. and They've got a shot. I mean, That's interesting that you always got of rail. It's like, oh, they let everybody into the postseason, and then a 5-5 five and five team like this catches fire. I mean, did you see them during the regular season? Was it just anything that – I didn't
0: see them during the regular season, but what happened is they have a running back who you know, sort of has figured it out as they've gone along. And they also have a coach who was going for two – uh, Thad wells he he was the guy who uh before the season started said he was never gonna punt he was gonna onside kick every time and he was never gonna uh and he was always gonna go for fourth downs he was ne- you know and then always go for two when he scored touchdowns and I talked to him after the Bob came I said what you that guys you're gonna do that he's like yeah I, I figured some stuff out I'm gonna do some different things. so credit to him for for uh you know making adjustments not every coach will do that yeah, this should be interesting. There's a local flavor. three local teams in those, uh, in those playoffs in, in Williamsburg. But this is not a high school podcast. This is a college podcast. So we're going to get to the bowl games in the ACC. Let's play a game called Juice or No
1: Juice. Oh, I like that. Yeah. You just come up with that on the fly? Yeah. All right, we'll go through the bowl games. We'll see if we're intrigued by any of these games or not. Starting with the, the earliest ones to the latest ones. First one is the Independence Bowl. Free for it. We know it well. We got NC State against Vanderbilt. No juice. Yeah, I'm going to say no juice either. Yeah, Vanderbilt is actually a decent team this year. Uh, you know, gave Georgia, I think. Did they beat Georgia? They, they beat Georgia and they went all the way to the wire against Auburn. They got a really good defense. Uh, I don't know. NC State is just a team that never really moves the needle for me much. Here's NC State's sixth
0: wins William and Mary, Old Dominion, Wake Forest, Notre Dame at home,
1: uh, Syracuse at Syracuse, and North Carolina. Boston. And that Notre Dame win was, like, in the hurricane slop because they had a yeah, horrible right. field in that game. 10-degree so yeah, final. That it, it just kind of seems like NC State to me every year when they load up on that non-conference schedule but nobody, and then they barely get over to the six wins. And It's interesting they've already announced they're keeping Dave Doran. Uh, I thought maybe they might make a move on that to – he didn't win when he had Jacoby Brissett there. Win big enough, I guess. Uh, I don't know. That, that matchup just doesn't do a whole lot. Yeah, work. they did. NC State did lose to Clemson by seven. So uh,
0: if we're gonna applaud Tech
1: for losing by seven to Clemson, I guess we should applaud Tech yeah, for doing that. They too. did play them pretty tough to Clemson play. as well. So uh, well, that's, yeah. that's a game they should have won. Yeah, they had the field goal to win it in the end of regulation. Yeah. They, they missed that's that right. one. Uh, game. We were up in the Syracuse press box watching that. So yeah. Clemson was very fortunate to win that game. It's, it's such a weird team, but NC State will come up and play hard against teams like that, but then just get blown out of the water. But I think Louisville just ran them off the field. Yeah, lost by seven to Boston
0: College, too. So an interesting
1: uh All right. No juice for that no one. No juice. Detroit Bowl. The quick lane bowl. This oh. one's going to have some juice for you, I think. Boston College against Maryland. Hell yeah. That's my favorite
0: coach in the ACC. Steve Adazio against my terps that's the best game on the slate I can't wait for that one. kick it off now baby
1: I uh, post post Christmas feast. how fortunate are you not to have to go cover that one <laughs> well like got the day ab- in Detroit the day I after like the day after Christmas for you know a couple of six and six teams I mean good for Boston college to get to a bowl game sure. this year they were just you know hot garbage last year they were just not a very good team but uh, I don't know Is that uh, a big thing uh, Celebration no, at the end of the year to get to Detroit.
0: There's no juice there. Maryland fell off. I think Maryland started four and zero. You know, didn't play well. The same, then
1: they but, got welcome to the Big Ten the rest of the year. Yeah,
0: they actually were playing Penn State pretty well, and of course nobody really knew Penn State was any good. Uh, it was like week five, and uh, you know it was kind of. I think the game was like a pickle, um, and the Terps lost, and it was like, oh well, their season probably over now, and it was. Uh, No juice. And it turns out Penn State was
1: one of the five best teams.
0: Yeah, Penn State's really good. Before we get to the next ACC, do
1: you think college football playoffs got it right? What do you think? Uh, More or less. I think you could have made an argument for Penn State over Washington in that last spot. You really are anti-Washington. Well, I just... Here's the thing. If you had replaced Pittsburgh on Penn State's schedule with just a nobody... And they would have beaten that nobody and been 12 and one. Would you've been like I'm looking at this matchup and did they miss it because they lost two games mm-hmm. because they actually played somebody of merit in the yeah. non-conference schedule? I, I don't know. I just you know, whoever was going to be in that game was going to get run off the field by Alabama. I think so. I don't know if Washington getting to the playoff is necessarily this reward that you know obviously they're in the playoffs so that's a big deal, but. I think if you're a fan, you're going to go to that game, you're going to get crushed by Alabama. Maybe you would have rather just gone to the Rose Bowl instead and had a more enjoyable experience. But uh, I think the big thing out of this is that at least we're making this argument about four versus five instead of two versus three sure. in the past. So, you know, Penn State, yeah, maybe they could have made an argument to get in, but honestly, don't lose two games. Don't lose one game by 30, whatever it was, to, to Michigan, and you're probably looking a lot better. Yeah, okay. Back to the ACC Bowls. Military Bowl. Uh, Wake Forest against Temple. No juice. I would have said this maybe would have had a little bit of juice if Matt Rule hadn't just left for Baylor, but now they're going to be coaching with an interim coach. Uh, you know, Wake Forest is not a flashy team. They got they got to six and six sort of on their defense and everything. I'm going to say no juice as well. Yeah, let's just move on. Uh, Pinstripe Bowl, New York, Pittsburgh versus Northwestern. Should be some offense in that game. Juice. I'm giving this game yeah, juice. Yeah, I'll give it moderate juice. Moderate. I think I think that's a really intriguing man. I mean, Northwestern has a receiver that's really good. Uh, they were pretty competitive this year in the Big Ten. Pittsburgh, I think, is one of the more underrated teams in the country. I mean, they, does anybody in the country have two better wins than they do? They beat Clemson on the road, and they beat Pittsburgh, or uh, Penn State. I mean, they beat two of the top five teams in the country. Does anybody have two top five wins this year? Well, I mean, maybe. Ohio State probably doesn't now that Michigan's out of the top five. Uh, I mean that that That's an intriguing game to me. I think that could be an entertaining one. Uh, it's always kind of weird playing in Yankee Stadium like that. So I'll give that game juice. And Yeah, I, and I, I'm happy
0: for Pittsburgh because, you know, you were talking about it earlier, how they sort of just get passed over on these Florida Bowls a lot. Now they get to play at Yankee Stadium. You know, uh, you should be able to bring some fans there. Uh, uh, Pittsburgh deserves – I mean, they – They don't travel well, and that's the reason they don't get these great bowl uh, matchups usually. But uh, but, you know, the the team tries just as hard, whether they got fans in the stands or not. And so, for them to get a a trip to New York is pretty cool.
1: All right, Uh, Russell Athletic Bowl in Orlando, Miami against West Virginia. Juice. Yeah, I'll give that juice. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be close necessarily. Uh, I think West Virginia wins that one pretty easily. I wasn't overly impressed with Miami. I guess they have a, a better defense that people want to give them credit for. Uh, I just don't feel like Kaya played to the level that I thought he'd play this no, year. He played like crap in that game. Yeah. I mean,
0: give Texas defense some credit for that. but And maybe it's one of those scenarios like when we saw Virginia beat Duke and we saw Virginia take Louisville to the wire and we thought, oh, maybe Virginia's better than we thought. Uh, maybe, maybe Miami's worse than we thought because of what we saw. Right, like we don't get a chance to actually sit and watch a full Saturday slate of games. It's not what we do. Right. So, um, you know, we we built that matchup up,
1: and then it ended up being a, a, a blowout, really. Yeah, I think this one will be interesting from a Virginia Tech perspective because that's who they open up next season with against West Virginia. So, yeah, I haven't seen West Virginia play too much this year. Holgerson just got a contract extension, so I'm sure the West Virginia casinos were happy about that that night. I'm probably the
0: only Maryland alumnus who when
1: I see West Virginia's on,
0: I'm pulling for the west. Wow. I love that state. I just I go. know you you have different You're gonna admit Oh I
1: don't it's not like I hate West Virginia. I, just,
0: I love the fact that it's sort of the flag it's the
1: flagship. I mean they have
0: a marshal, I guess, but I mean everybody in the state pretty much uh, pulls for the Mountaineers.
1: Oh, yeah. It's just a, it's a difficult state to get through. Yeah. It's I've spent a lot of time in that state. It's just mountainous, and you're curving through everything, and I don't know. You're paying tolls along the way. I'm not necessarily crazy about that. All right. Next. All right. Next one. Belt, Virginia Tech, Arkansas. No juice. Yeah. I don't think it has any juice. We talked about this at length, but just eh, I think they could have gotten a better matchup than this. Uh, Sun Bowl, El Paso, your favorite place on earth. Uh, North, North Carolina against Stanford. Jeez. I'll give this one juice. I just because of a contrast of styles. Yeah. And I guess you know U N C wants to hurry it up, hurry it up, hurry it up, and Stanford wants to just you know ram the ball down your throat. It uh, should be interesting. Trubisky, this might be his last game there. Uh, Stanford has uh, been a pretty good team, pretty good program over the years. Uh, I wonder if Larry Fedora will just want to stay in Texas after this game. Sounded like he wanted some of these jobs, even though he denies it. Uh, Maybe some interest in that Baylor job. Well, and outside of Virginia, which
0: played, you know, like, what, they played UCLA, USD. I mean, you don't see ACC uh, Pac-12 matchups very often. You know, Oregon came to Virginia. I mean, that. So for some reason, they were scheduling a lot of games against the Pac-12.
1: West Virginia must play in a subsidiary of the Pac, or Virginia must play in some subsidiary of the Pac-12 because they seem to have games. That it's, it's John Oliver, right? I mean, yeah. He needs to be a West Coast guy. He, he sets up a lot of this stuff.
0: But you know, you just don't see that the the those two conference clash, two conferences clash that often. So I think, generally speaking, the Sun Bowl gives you a good, an interesting, juicy matchup.
1: Yeah, we like the Sun Bowl. It's a fun trip. We do. Uh, let's go. Next one is Orange Bowl in Miami, Florida State Michigan. Juice, juice. It's got some juice. That'll be interesting to see, you know, Dalvin Cook going against that Michigan defense. I think anything involving Harbaugh is going to be interesting. I mean, th- those are two, you know, blue blood programs there. That- that's going to get a lot of eyeballs. Yeah, yeah. I'll be, I'll be tuned into that one for sure. All right, that one's sort of a no brainer. Uh, Tax Slayer, Georgia Tech and Kentucky. No juice. No juice. That one. Whew. Man, I, when I saw Kentucky was a possible bowl opponent for Virginia Tech, I was just like, oh, I don't know about that one. That's just – I don't think Kentucky's very good. I think they beat a lot of bad teams. to get to seven wins this year. I mean, they beat Louisville at the end, so I guess you give them credit for that. I don't know, man. I follow
0: Kyle, Kyle Tucker on Twitter, and uh, his tweets would suggest that this team is
1: worldly. Crush, but they, crush, I, think, I think Kyle maybe gets wrapped up <laughs> in the emotion of some of these games sometimes. Maybe a little hyperbolic <laughs> with some of these statements. I don't think the running back is a threat to be an all-time great in the NFL, but uh, well, we well, certainly, we, if, if we were there, we, we were covering that, we would get plenty of information from
0: Kyle on that team.
1: You know, we would have it in there. Yeah, I, I just think you know, Georgia Tech sort of a blase ACC yeah. team to send there, and Kentucky's just like whatever from the, the SEC, so no juice, no juice in that game. Crazy
0: yeah. to think Paul Johnson has eight wins, though. <laughs> you know, I mean, he does it
1: every year. I yeah, mean, you know, well, with the exception with the exception of last year, he's always in there. And he always exceeds expectations because that offense, just whoever you plug into it is going to give teams headaches. Yeah. And they're going to win a lot of games just because of that. Yeah. All right. No juice. No juice. No juice. Uh, Citrus Bowl, also in Orlando. Louisville and LSU. <sighs> I guess Lamar versus that defense. Is juice. Juice, man. Juice. Leonard I, Fournette in that game too? Yeah, but LSU 7-4. and four, I don't know. I think LSU has the juice factor just because of Oregon. O- Ogeron, I should say. Oregon. <laughs> Oregon. Ogeron. Uh, I think he's just an entertaining guy to watch. Uh, coach a game. Would you like to
0: sing a few bars from yeah
1: <laughs> No, no, I won't do that. But I mean, it, Colonel Rev is crying. Yeah, I think that was. YouTube it. YouTube yeah. it, folks. Uh, you got the Heisman Trophy winner going against that defense. You got Leonard Fournette, who's already announced he's going pro. This will be his last game. Uh, I mean, you got LSU's defensive line, who might murdered Lamar Jackson in that game. I mean, the number of times he was getting hit in this last couple weeks. Probably Petrino has a lot of shoring up on that offensive line to do. I I think this will still be an entertaining game, though.
0: Yeah, I'll give it
1: moderate juice. And the last one, I wonder which direction we're going to go with this Fiesta Bowl matchup in Glendale, Arizona, between Clemson and Ohio State.
0: No juice.
1: No juice. No, juice. Juice. No, that's juicy. This is like a V8. This is how much juice there is in this game. Uh that's a really good I mean that's that's the most interesting bowl matchup right now. Oh, just yeah. uh, you know outside of the national championship game whatever it's going to be Alabama against whoever wins this game. I think this one is just like all right. These two programs have been up there the last couple years obviously. Clemson played the national title game last year. Ohio State did two years ago and won it. Uh these other than Alabama, these have been the two sort of other premier programs in the country. I think it's going to be really interesting to see them square off. Yeah. Who do you like in that game? I don't know. I Having just seen Clemson, maybe I'll lean Clemson, but uh, I think they have a little bit more offensive firepower and a little bit more ability to win a game that way that maybe Ohio State does. And I know JT Barrett's a great quarterback. Seems like they maybe tighten up a little bit with how their offensive play calling in big games or have against you know, quality defenses, certainly like Michigan that they played. Uh, I think I'll I'll go with Clemson that one, but uh, it's early and I'll probably be wrong. Who's in the
0: Rose Bowl? Penn State and USC? Is that right?
1: Uh yes. That's good. That's juice. <coughs> that's, Plenty of juice. Yeah. That's that's.
0: I mean, outside of this, I think outside of this, Clemson, Ohio State, because I think I think you're right. I think Alabama's going to run
1: Washington. Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah, I guess we can tune in to see if they can hang around, but I, I I just don't see it. But um, okay. Well, the good news there's good news is that I will be doing the bowl. Guide this year. That is so very good. one-year hiatus um, because our, we weren't able to. Uh, we didn't have the guy to lay it out last year. He was doing other things. So we got the guy to lay it out this year, and so we're going to do that next week. We'll go through all the bowls, and maybe do a juice or no juice, or it'll be an audio bowl guide. Yeah, maybe talks from a gambling perspective as well, uh, sort of look at the spreads. Speaking of spreads, we'll close today's podcast. Uh, Virginia Tech is. Six-point shot. Open to six. I think it's up to seven now. Okay. Seven. So a touchdown. We don't want to make predictions yet because, honestly, neither one of us knows enough, I don't think, yet about Arkansas as we will as we get closer to the game. But just to your general thoughts on that spread when you saw it. Did you think it was too high, too low, about right? What thing
1: you think? My initial thought was it seemed a little bit low. Oh. Uh, I think I would have at least had tech by a touchdown. Uh just knowing the two programs, I think Virginia Tech has a better chance to score against Arkansas' defense than vice versa. Uh, and obviously that's the way you know, Vegas looks at it, putting him in a six-point favorite to open up. Uh, I just think I, I see Arkansas 7-5, and 3-5 and in the SEC. They had some games where they were just really not competitive against teams that were good but not great. Uh, I, I just think I, I like Virginia Tech in this one by a little bit more than that. Yeah, I think i do too.
0: But uh, again, we will maybe we'll do it next week at the end of next week. Yeah,
1: yeah, it sounds like a good Should plan. Should we
0: predict all the games? Because I'm going to have by the time we meet next week, I will have against the spread predictions for every
1: bowl. Well, we'll let you do that. Okay. I don't know if I'm going to. I don't me, know if you I'm going to tell an, me if I'm crazy on right. Control. I don't know if I'll have an opinion in the Boca Raton Bowl <laughs> or whatever they might be. Those are the fun ones. <laughs> Those man. are the ones where I'll just tee it up for you and you go. Oh, well, they got this running back, and I'll be like, yeah, these two teams uh, flip a coin.
0: All the all the research will be done online, so you know if somebody's hurt or something. Who knows? You, sometimes you, you don't follow, you don't you don't pick up on that until uh, the actual kickoff. So some of those lines change drastically because of injuries during. Uh,
1: so, there, but people like you are paying attention to these things. So. I will, yeah,
0: yeah. I love bowl season; it's a lot of fun, and we'll get into that next week. It'll be a good, a good, different kind of podcast. Um, but that's all the time we have for this week. For Andy Bitter, it's Aaron McFarling. We'll see you next time.